know you heard it be Will. Let's get it, man. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sports Section Morning Show, episode 10 on July 24th, 21st, 21st, I got 20th, 21th down here in my notes, July 21st, it's going to be hot as fuck today, we're in the middle of summer, man, we, we're going, we're going, you know who else is hot though? I know the weather's hot, but them Texans fans, they hot as fuck. We're going to get straight to them. We're going to get straight to them. J.J. Watt. I'm not even really, I'd never been a fan of J.J. Watt, to be honest. I damn sure, I wasn't a fan of him when he was with the Texans. I wasn't a fan with him when he was with the Cardinals. I don't give a damn about all the 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 charitable work he did and all that. Yeah, that's cool and all. You know, you, you're, you're a privileged individual, and I appreciate that. But I don't give a damn about no J.J. Watt. I would go as far as say, you know, F JJ Watt, but it's I'm trying to remain holy this morning. You know, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to stay in good graces this Friday morning before I get to it on the weekend. JJ Watt said he was talking about the other, I'll give a little bit of context. He was talking about all the other, you know, throwback uniforms that came out, the Seahawks, I forget who else, the Tampa Bay Bucks and all that, you know, the all good uniforms, of course, with the Oilers too. He said, I lived in Houston for 10 years. My first training camp, I met Bum Phillips, old-time coach of the Oilers. I was coached by Wade. That's his brother. Or I think it's his daddy or son. I mean, I'm not sure. I've seen firsthand how much the people of Houston love the Oilers. Earl, Bruce, Warren, Dr. Doom, ETC. Love you, Blue is real. So, yeah, it pains me for Houston and those fans. So, I think what's triggered them is, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins thing, that triggered Texans fans a little bit. That's part of it. It's, this is a big a big conundrum that, that's gotten to this point now where Texans fans are just mad as hell at the Titans. It started with D-Hop. You know, he said he happy to be back in the AFC South. He finna rip the Texans to shreds. I can't wait to see what he do, it, do in Houston against them on uh, New Year's. We'll be down there, TFTV. Then it was the uniforms that, that was, you know, the Oilers uniforms being brought back out. They didn't like that because they they feel like they can lay claim on the Oilers while no other team can lay claim on their previous city's team. You don't see Indianapolis saying, uh, oh, the, the Ravens are our team. But the Texans or the Titans are the only franchise in the NFL that seems to have a problem with this. And the Texans fans, by the way, they're the only ones that seem to not be able to get this concept. Y'all didn't want to keep the Oilers. Y'all didn't want to give Bud... Bud Adams a new stadium, so he fucking left. I don't blame him. Well, I, I wouldn't leave Houston for Nashville at this point in time, but ain't no telling what it was like back then. He was a visionary. He knew Nashville was on the up. They're mad about that. But the icing on the cake for him, the icing on the cake for him is the love you blue on the collar of the shirt. They hate it. That's the worst part because they, they feel like that in particular is Houston. No. It's Nashville now. And it was it was, it was even the Nashville Oilers at one point. You know, they, they wore Oilers jerseys up here in, to defend what some of the Houston fans and Houstonians don't agree with. You know, that, that actually happened. They had Oilers patches on their jerseys when they came up here. Eddie George. I've seen it. But to get to the actual jerseys, I'm not even – I'm done talking about Houston fans because they, 
they're they're going to be miserable this year. They're not going to be good. They're going to say, you know, oh, it's it's for the head coach. We got a new head coach, and it'll take some time. And it, they're right, but I'm just telling you what they're going to say. They're going to be miserable this year. Uh, Stroud ain't got nobody to throw to. He got Robert Wood. Robert Wood's out there stealing money. Yeah, he. I'm about to put him on the same. I'm about to put Robert Robert Woods in the same conversation with Brett Favre as just stealing money. You know that he's he's getting to that point now. What he did to us, and then what he's about to do to Houston down there. I mean, I, I'm just getting to that point with him. So, on the actual jerseys and what I think about them, you know, of course they weren't going to be black. I don't I don't know why people thought they were going to be black. I guess because the oil was was pouring down on the uh, on the jerseys, but that doesn't mean they're going to be black. That's oil for the Oilers. That's oil. They did it before in one of the one of the promo videos. There was that's not the first time they've poured oil on the on the jerseys for an announcement. They wasn't going to be black, but I'm really satisfied with them. I think they're clean, they're crisp, and they didn't really do too much. Of course, I would like to have seen an Oilers patch on there, but you know, it's it it is what it is. It would have been nice to have it on there, but I mean, if anything, you know, for fans, we could get an Oilers patch sewed on there. You know, it's it's not a big deal. But it would have been good to have the players playing with the Oilers patch on there, just to rub it in their face a little bit more. I'm happy with the uniforms. There wasn't, I mean, it wasn't never going to be no radical change. Throwback jerseys are literally just bringing back the jersey from what they were. So it's it's not they're not going to overhaul these jerseys. We knew what they were going to look like. The Titans media team did a great job of creating some anticipation for something that people already knew what it was going to look like. So kudos to the Titans social media team. They got one of the best social media teams in the league. Somehow they were able to garner this much anticipation. And I was in, I was anticipating too. I ain't gonna lie. For some jerseys that we knew were like there was already, they've already been released before. They're re-releases for better, lack of better word. There's not really that many, that much of a change. And people still aren't disappointed about it. That's what's, you know. That's amazing. So kudos to the Titan social media team. They did a great job with with the rollout of the jersey, and they haven't even officially rolled it out yet. I'm I'm talking in future tense because we've seen the leaks that have been on Twitter and Reddit and all that. They've did a good job so far. I can't wait to see how they actually announce it. We will see about that. Now to the Colts. The Colts alternate uniforms. They look like fucking. Are they are they the Kentucky Colts? They look like K- Kentucky uniforms. I'm not a fan of. Them. Granted, I, I mean they could. They could go out there in white tees, and I wouldn't be a fan of I'm just not a fan of anything Colts. I mean, that jersey just looks like shit, man. The black helmets don't make sense. And RG3, on to you. Your reply under under one of the, the Colts jerseys pictures, talking about black helmet, and now we get a black quarterback? Why? What's the point? That don't even, like, what's the point of that, dude? Just sometimes just shut the fuck up. You know, just come on, man. It's uncalled for. So yeah, their uniforms look like shit, dude. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, them. and that's of course that's got a little bit of my bias in there. But I mean, I, I still, I don't, I'm not a fan of the damn other uniforms at all. Running backs, running backs have not got paid. The last running back to get paid was what do I say? I want to say Chubb, maybe. Chubb was the last running back to get paid, I think. So Saquon, and this is this was after after the show on Monday when the franchise tag deadline deadline came up, and. We were able to see and realize these guys were not going to get paid. Supposedly, Josh Jacobs was outside of the Raiders facility with Max Crosby waiting on the contract to be finished so he could go in there and sign it. It didn't happen. But then conflicting reports came out yesterday saying that they were not even close on a deal. So that's why you got to watch this stuff with 
with a with a close eye. But Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, three notable running backs, not to even get a sniff of a payday. I'm going to talk about this, and I'm not meant this. This isn't to to put down any any running backs or running backs in the league and diminish their talent, the hard work they've put in, or their contribution to the team. This is just me speaking somewhat from what general managers and owners would probably think. This is me speaking from a business perspective. Taking emotion out of it, emotion out of player attachment out of it. This is speaking from a team building and business perspective. So, okay, since I got that out the way, Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, uh, Derrick Henry, McCaffrey, and, and a host of other running backs went to took their took their opinion to Twitter, talking about oh the position, all this hard work we put in and we don't get compensated for it and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be such a polarizing thing and have so much dichotomy to it. Two things can be right at the same time. Running backs put in a lot of effort. And they work hard, some of the hardest working on players on the team. And oftentimes, they're the most talented players on the team. But running backs are a dime a dozen. That's also true. Running backs can be had for cheap. That's also true. Now, whether that's on the running backs for settling and taking those cheap contracts, but this brings me to the point of they're replaceable. Running backs are replaceable, all of them, even Henry. I hate to say it, and I love Henry to death. When Derrick Henry was hurt, we still averaged over 140 yards rushing per game. Still. with And granted, that was a combination of two guys, but those two guys' salaries do not add up to Derrick Henry's salary. So why would you pay that much for the production that you're getting from two guys at a fraction of the price? That's what these general managers are thinking. I don't know why I tapped my earphone thinking about my head, but you get the point. That's what these general managers are thinking. There's no, you know, to create value, and I say value because they're valuable players. Don't get me wrong. There's one, there's a reason nobody, they none of them win the most valuable MVP because they're not valuable beyond replaceness, replaceableness. These running backs, they don't add what I call non-replaceable value to the team. Like non-replaceable value, I'll define that. So that's value that a player would add to a team that he that the team cannot get from anywhere else. That's your quarterbacks of even your your second tier quarterbacks like your your Herberts. I would consider Herbert a second tier quarterback. What he adds to the Chargers, they cannot go to the open open market and get. And if they were to get it, they would be getting have to pay Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was just quote unquote on the market, and you saw what he he didn't get a bunch of interest from other teams. But I think that was a part of some collusion and shit. That's my my deep dive theory on that. You can't get that talent on the market. It's You can't get it. That value that he gives that team is non-replaceable. That's what I mean by non-replaceable. That creates a scarcity. And this is this is business terms I'm talking about, but it's, it's scarcity. That creates a scarcity with that talent and that position and those type of players that running backs just do not have. There's a, there's a million running backs out there. You can get a running back. We got two, like I said. We got two running backs off the street when Derrick Henry was hurt and still replicated that production. And we're paying the minimums. Veteran minimums. Still getting the same production that we're paying the guy $12 million or however much we were paying Henry at the time. Granted, that's just on-field on field value. You can't replace the leadership that Henry had. 
and the fear that he invokes into the minds of defensive coordinators, you can't replace that. But you can't really monetize that either. So these, from a monetary perspective, there's not really sense in paying them. It don't make sense business-wise. And these GMs and the NFL, the way they operate and the way these franchises operate is a business. It's a business. So Josh Jacobs, he had a career year for the Raiders. What did his career year, how far did they get the Raiders last year? It didn't get him to the playoffs, right? What if they had a quarterback that had a career year, like 50 touchdowns, a career year for a quarterback? They're probably making a, a decent playoff run. That's just that's just the way the NFL is. You can't you can't replace a quarterback or even a receiver. You can't replace that that value and that production that they give a team. The Titans are still trying to find a way to to uh to replicate and reproduce the production that AJ Brown was given the Titans. I mean, still, it's, this is three years down the line, two years down the line. I mean, or a year down the line. It feels like two. It feels like it's been a long ass time. But they just haven't been able to to replace that. On to the point of uh, of scarcity. Well, back to the point of scarcity. With the good quarterbacks, they're scarce. The Mahomes scarce. Josh Allen scarce. These are the best players in this position. Now, if you go to the best running backs in their position, Henry. It's not really scarce. Josh Jacobs, it's not, you can get that talent elsewhere. There's a million running backs coming up. You can replace them. It's it's like supply and demand. There's there's too there's way too high a supply of running backs. And the demand from teams is dwindling by the year. By the year. Like they're not wanting, they're really not wanting running backs. There's one, and this this brings me to another point of teams managing running backs and how they would be on the cap. Well, I'll explain it after I get after I get done with this point and explain how the CBA is unfavorable. With the supply of running backs being so high and there's been so many running backs in the market and that production being that replaceable, the price is going to remain low. It's just going to remain low, and that's where it is now. Also, with the way the NFL is going and the direction that the NFL is going in with Pat with you know passing being so high, the highest it's ever been in the league in the history of the NFL with quarterback play, running backs are even less less valuable. So every year, running backs are losing value on that front, and also they're losing value personally because they're they're an asset that depreciates every single year, no matter what, because they've got an extra year, extra year on their legs, an extra couple miles of of running hard, running in the NFL on their legs. Their value is not the same as it was a year before. And just wait, honestly, just wait until offense coordinators, because it, it takes a little bit of time for the NFL to get get some some radical changes from a play calling perspective and some sort of freshness in the NFL. But just wait till one of these college coaches figures out how to consistently beat defenses without a running back in the backfield in the way it can translate to the NFL. Just wait until they figure out how to get a get a receiver, somebody like Debo that can double as a running back and, you know, be able to not have a running back on the field and have five dynamic receivers on the field. Just wait until they figure out how to be able to pass protect without a back in the backfield with just five guys or having a tight end that chips or stays in sometimes. Once they do that, the running back position will be extinct. And I think that is maybe a little closer than people think. Running backs, I think Henry Henry is going to be the last of his kind. There's not going to be any more running backs of that, that build and that nature 
here in the next 10, 15 years. The game is just going to have you see how much it's evolved in the last 10, 15 years from a safety perspective with them not hitting these guys. Just think after, you know, another 10 years of this uber high efficient passing systems that are taking the league by storm with motions and all types of such. Just wait until they find two of those and make it to where they don't need a running back in the backfield. Running backs are gone, especially big, big running backs. And the future is going to be like your, your Gibbses of your, we're going back to the, the scat backs to where they double as receivers. Your Camaros, you know, these prototypical running backs. It's going to be over for running backs. You better get it while they can. But it also brings me to the next point. Andrew Brandt on Twitter made a really good point about this, about how the CBA, the collective bargain agreement that the NFLPA has agreed to with the NFL owners, it's one of the most unfavorable bargaining agreements to running backs compared to any other position on the field. For one, running backs, their value is probably, I'd say they're where they're where they should be considered rookies in coming into the league, they're still sophomores in college. And the way the college draft rules are set up, they have to play three years or spend three years in college until they can come into the NFL. So that's that's 20 years old, 18 or 20, 21 years old for a running back can even sniff an NFL contract. Granted, they should be these running backs should be this should be the drive up their price at NIL. But once they get to the NFL, that's it's over. They're 21 years old. They've got at least maybe six years of hard prime running back age before they're they're headed downhill and they're they're not getting as much money because they're depreciating at such a fast rate. So with them not one, with them not being able to come into the league until 21, that's a that's a nick on the running backs because of the the CBA and in conjunction with draft rules. The next nick from the CBA is that they have to sign four year contracts once they get drafted. So that locks them in even further past their prime in an unfavorable contract because they'll be 25 at the youngest when they hit free agency. Teams still aren't trying to pay running backs at, at 24, 25, because they still only get three or four years. These running backs are looking for another five-year deal. If they're drafted in the first round, that's five years. And then you have the franchise tag on top of that. So that's five years of control at the very minimum that teams have over these running backs. And if they come in at 21, which is would be incredibly young for them to come in, that's 26 years old. That's the tail end of their career. They might have two more years left at their prime. No team is going to pay top dollar for two years worth of production. Unless it's a you know a heavy, heavy front-end contract. But teams aren't trying to do that for a running back. Because by then, they're really not going to be running the ball. And if they're drafted in the first round, that's six years with the franchise tag. Six years of control that the NFL team, that these NFL teams would have over their running backs. That's their prime. So as soon as they get drafted, their their prime is spent with one team. They can't even sniff the open market. There's no precedence for high deals anymore because these running backs aren't even getting to the market at a time when they could command a high deal. So there's no precedent for it. So these guys that are on the tag that are fighting, fighting for good money and a good contract, it's a losing battle because there hasn't been a precedent set contract-wise to where that would still be, they would still warrant that top dollar they're wanting. It's it's the system is built. It's not built for running backs to fail, but running back just running backs are failing as a result of the CBA and the system that has been built. It's not a big conspiracy. It's just it's just the way it is at this point. Running backs, it's just it's just a tough position for them to be in. And but what what this conversation really 
should not only rekindle but catalyze with the youth is don't play fucking running back. If you're a parent and your kid's playing junior pro, do not let them play running back. One, they shouldn't even be, to me, and this is my personal opinion, kids shouldn't even be playing tackle football until they're at least 10, 11 years old. There's no point. You know, they're playing flag football and shit. Even if they're playing flag football and shit, your kids should be training, and this is all dependent on body type, of course. You know, this is if you still want your kids even playing football. This is all dependent on body type. But running back is not where you should want your kids playing. And if if you're if your kid's unfortunate and not blessed with height, football probably just ain't the, the sport anymore for them. If if you want to if we're if we're gonna be completely honest and your goal is to try and you know put your kid in a position to be a professional football player, football probably ain't the sport for him if he ain't if he ain't five ten, five eleven, there ain't no position on the field left for him. Besides running back. And even running backs are about 5'8", five, 5'10 five, now. That's average height. I'm speaking from my from my perspective. I'm short as hell. You shouldn't be putting them at running back if they're 5'10". Put them at corner. You know, put them at receiver. Put them at these positions where there's a future and they, they can have the ability to get paid without getting their head beat in every play. Put these kids at, at those positions. Not running back. That's what, should, that's what parents... People, gen pop like us, that's what we should be taking from this conversation and the consequences of these running backs not getting paid is, you know, they shouldn't be there shouldn't be no no kids playing running back no more. It's just, you know, let 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 them kids that actually enjoy playing the position. And I'm not saying these running backs don't enjoy playing the position, but keep it in mind when you got your kid playing. Running back ain't it. It ain't it. I just don't it's 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 a sad situation. Four running backs, but you know that's that's just the way the where the league is going. That's just that's just where it is now. All right, once again, taking callers nine three one six zero three one four seven six. Y'all calling? Let me know what y'all think about running backs. Them not getting paid. What do y'all think about running backs like Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Pollard? If they should be getting paid right now, and what should they be getting paid? If you think they should be getting paid. On to the next one, like Swiss B said. On to the next one. Hold on, I got a. We got a caller. Let me get a caller in here. Yo, Jalen, what's good, brother? How you doing, man? I'm good. How about yourself, man? It's Friday. I can't complain. What are you telling me about the running backs, man? Running backs a weird spot. I did see. I was watching, you know, yesterday talking about how they need to do something like, you know, if you if you get drafted in the first round, you know, that's like you said, it's that four year and then the team option. So right. five years gets your franchise tag. Cut that down to, you know, two years with a option. That way the running backs have a chance to at least hit free agency. You said two years with what? Two years team option. Two years team option. Why would yeah, the teams so, agree to that? Uh, it, give, it gives the players a chance, well, running backs specifically, a chance to not be drafted and dumped. Right. That's what the person in the video said specifically, mm-hmm. or running back. Because so, like you said, they getting beat up. They are. That's all they're doing is getting beat up. This next CBA isn't for another, I think, six years. So maybe that's something the union should fight for. You know, that's not. And and here's the thing about fighting for something like that. If you put all your eggs into a basket with negotiations for something like that, you know how easy it is for the NFL to just say, well, fuck the running back position like they do at tight end, how they put in receivers at tight end. We're going to classify you as a receiver and line you up in the backfield, you know, and run spread or whatever. I don't think the NFL is too far from doing that, to be honest. 
Yeah, it's a tricky, it's a tricky game for running backs and a tough spot. Yeah, I think I think another way you can add value to a running back position, right, is you know add a percentage like a stat or something like that. Yeah, that says you hey your quarter when I'm in the back blocking, they send a blitz. Your quarterback doesn't get hit as much when I'm in the backfield. Oh, it kind of, it kind of forces value for a running back because they're not only you know running the ball. Yeah. Also, we don't see a lot now is well, Alvin Kamara is probably the closest thing, but we don't see a running back like Ladanian Thomason no more. Like he, he was or Marshall Clark really. Yeah. You talking about He's them guys guy. just coming out the backfield? Yeah. Dog. As a receiver, like purely a receiver. Yeah. Gibbs. Like, Gibbs is a good throwback to that. Uh, you said who? Gibbs, Jamar Gibbs, one up in Detroit from he Alabama. Did. I I can see why you say that, but I got to I me personally, I have to see it first. Yeah, I can't. You, you know, of course, I'm not comparing him to LT and them, but I think he has the skill set to to be able to achieve that. Yeah, but yeah, we we just like, not seeing running that no more. Because to me, like, and this is I'm gonna go back to the point I made. But what do you think about running backs and their actual value? That's a good point of changing the narrative. With a stat like that, you can change a narrative like that. But if we're getting to the real nitty gritty of it, how do running backs add that much value compared to receivers or quarterbacks? If you compare like career years, a career year for a running back versus a career year for a receiver or a quarterback, the other two are going a lot further than a career year for a running back. The value yeah, is just really not there. That's true. Uh, but again, like when I think about a career year for a running back, I'm thinking like, okay. So you had Adrian Peterson get 2,000 yards in a season. Or Adrian Peterson was just the dog, period. Chris Johnson, Derrick Henry, Barry Sanders. But these folks did not have a stable offense. They were the offense. Yeah. So if you – and ideally, if if you're able to get – like just imagine if one of those four running backs I just named, right, Mm -hmm. maybe out of Derrick Henry because the year he had 2,000, you know, the Titans were winning. Yeah. Uh, if any of those folks had a quarterback like Joe Burrow or even Justin Herbert or something like that, these they, they're probably not first-round exits or didn't even barely miss the playoffs. Right. They're able to make and produce those type of numbers with a quarterback that can throw for 3,500 yards. Yeah, they're, they're probably, they'll probably make, make a splash in the playoffs. But then it, but it a running back is very hard because – it, it just where their value comes in at is purely off running the ball. If they able to make, if they can get fifty catches, mm-hmm. how far can you get after the catch? Right, your yak and and such. You make a good point. Like a running back, like Henry, if there was a competent quarterback there to, and I'm not playing. I promise, I'm not playing devil's advocate. But it, I'm thinking, if you have a running back like Henry, that's a monster running the ball, but you have a quarterback like a Burrow or such. Why are you running the ball anyway? I get in the in the name of balance, but even then you'll probably be throwing the ball 60, 70% of the time and running the ball, you know, 40. So once well, again, that makes the quarterback a little more valuable. Yeah. Yeah, I think though. So now let let's let's say that for whatever reason, right, you you know you have a high caliber running back. Right. So against high caliber high caliber running backs, you want to load the box, make mm-hmm. them pass the you do that with a good quarterback, you dice. Yeah. So now it's like, okay, look, let's make them beat us running the ball. I understand who they have in the backfield. Let's make them do that. So now you're running the ball. It just all depends on the game plan. Of yeah. course, like if you if you have 
if you have talent everywhere, you're going to see different things every week in right. the NFL, how it works. Right. Versus if you're a team that, you know, does, might not have that, that caliber of quarterback, you know, you're, you're going to be like the, the Titans, for example, and say, hey, we're, we, we need to run the ball first down, maybe second down. Yeah. Just to, because that's, I mean, you're, you're crafting an offense around the talent you have. Right. Another thing, like with cap, with, uh, Cap consequences, if you're paying a running back, you're not really so susceptible to be able to pay other positions too, but you could say that about quarterback also. You know, you're paying a quarterback 50 fucking million. Where where else is the money going to come from? Yeah, running back can never be paid that much, but even, they're not even getting 15 at this point. Yeah, that's the crazy part. And, and you know, NFL contracts, they're, they're not really guaranteed. So <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm not sitting in the rooms with the general managers or I'm not sitting with the the agents of the running backs. I don't know what their number, what they think their value is. Yeah. But, you know. This and all you can really go off is the reports, but the reports ain't always true. Maybe there's a way that, because, again, I'm not sure the value of running backs, like what, what it is and what it versus what it should be in the NFL. I'm not really sure. But maybe they can come to an agreement so we're like, if they get like a, a four-year, I don't know, 36. <laughs> 36 mil, fully Even guaranteed. In, oh, something that's not, yeah, yeah that, that, but something that's not, you know. Somebody's got to like, lay, you're right, though. One of these running backs has to swallow their pride and lay a marker down for the rest of the running backs. Everybody can't be a Le'Veon Bell. You know, Le'Veon Bell was comparing himself to one of the damn ants off the ant movie. I don't know what he was smoking. One of these running backs has to take a deal like that, like you say, maybe eight, seven, eight million a year, have it fully guaranteed. Where it can have a be a baseline for these under running backs to be able to you know springboard off of. That's a good point there. Right. Yeah, like how Kirk Cousins did for quarter. Like Kirk Cousins, we we know he's a, a very mid table quarterback. Right. But he's getting guaranteed money, and he drying up every two to three years. And he's driving that he's driving that guaranteed money threshold up for the other quarterbacks. Right. That a exactly what is it the APV. Exactly, and but he's he's not he's not breaking the he's not breaking the market or anything like that. So when it comes down to it, when they have to pay Justin Jefferson, that what? Well, Dalvin Cook was a casualty. Yeah. Um, Adam Cleveland's getting old, so it makes sense to cut ties with him. But when it comes down to it, they'll be able to pay Justin Jefferson top wide receiver money because Kirk Cousins is taking these. They're they're not team friendly because they're fully guaranteed. Like Kirk Cousins getting his, but the team can also get theirs. Right. Now, if you can do that running back, let's just say, you know, eight nine. Let's just say the tape um, is in between eight to ten million, fully guaranteed a year, just depending on how good this running back is. Right, Jalen, I got breaking news, man. Mm. Kevin Byard agreed to a restructured contract. It's per Rappaport. Kevin mm. Byard of the Tennessee Titans has agreed to terms on a restructured contract for the twenty twenty three season. His base salary is now $11 million, and there are incentives available to get back to the $14 million he was originally owed. So the man took a pay cut. But I ain't going to say I ain't gonna say he took a pay cut because Lord knows what the incentives are. The incentives are probably play eight games and get an interception, and you got back to your $14 million, but it gives us the $3 million on cap space. We need that because, you know, we got, we got George Fink coming in for a visit this weekend. Replace, uh, what you call him? Parlay Parlay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got we got George Font coming in. Parlay Petit might be a casualty of that. That's why you can't be gambling and shit 
I don't know what the hell he was gambling on. I hope it was worth gambling. What do you think about that Kevin Byard deal, man? You happy about that? Uh, I'm re- I'm reading up a little bit. Eleven million guaranteed, three million in incentives to get back to that fourteen that he was originally owed for the so restructure. It's a, so it's, it's a, a restructure. It's a restructure. It's a restructure slash pay cut, but it's not. I don't think it's really going to be a pay cut. I bet you them incentives are really easy yeah, incentives. Probably, it seems like a lot of times the uh, restructures. Like we don't see what the incentives are specific to restructures, right? So yeah, I mean this was expected. Uh, I don't know I if it was Rashad. expected or not. He was mad. I, saw, I mean he was mad because he they asked him specifically to take a pay cut. Yeah. Now with a restructure, what I learned about a restructure, and I learned this yesterday, so this is crazy, is that now now your your base salary. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's what the that's what the uh, is is going to the uh, the cap. Yeah, but you're getting money up front. But a lot I of guess times. I guess what you're saying is the part that's kind of the pay cut is yeah. the fact that now he can get that money in incentives. Right. What I'm thinking so, normally with the restructures, you're right though. It all gets converted to a signing bonus, but that verbiage wasn't in this tweet, so I'm not yeah. entirely sure if that's exactly how this works. Maybe they just. Like it's basically like a restructure to where that eleven million is as a signing bonus, but he's just not getting it up front. He's getting it throughout the year, compared to like a hardcore black and white restructure. This yeah. is like a restructure slash pay cut, but it's not really a pay cut. But we don't know the we don't know the the uh, the, the the incentives. Hey, Kevin Byer thinks we go- Kevin Byer thinks something good of the Tennessee Titans if he took another restructure slash pay cut. Yeah, I'm gonna just that. We've got to find out what these incentives are, so we can stop calling it a pay cut. Because I doubt it was a pay cut. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure it wasn't either. Yeah. What I'm saying is that he thinks that we're we're in a position to win some football games. Maybe he's excited about Caleb Farley. He saw that 94, 95 speed on Madden and said, "Damn, we got a dog at corner." Every time I get on Madden, I think. I think that we got a dog at corner. <laughs> that motherfucker so sorry, boy. <laughs> that motherfucker Caleb Farley so sorry, bro. I need him to come good so I can stop slandering him. What you think about uh what you think about the Oilers jerseys coming out? I know you, I'm glad you wasn't one of the the many many people that texted me asked me if the Oilers jersey is going to be black. That's, you you didn't think that, did you? No. I about to say you you had some sense. And a black order or black Oilers jersey doesn't make sense. Now, if they were to make a, a a black Titans jersey, that makes more sense than a black Oilers jersey. I'd love to see a black Titans jersey. Yeah, with the with the light with the with baby the, blue on with the baby blue. That would be hard. Yeah, I don't think that's not something we'll see until a new stadium. If we see it, yeah, maybe they get some maybe they get some juice when they get the new stadium and start doing shit like at a black jersey or red jersey. That red yeah. would be funky in the motherfucker, boy. Everybody always had a red jersey growing up, but it was like a. Was it wasn't that like a Walmart jersey that everybody had? But it was red, but that motherfucker hit the streets yeah. like crack. Yeah. <laughs> everybody had the red jersey growing up. That that old school Titans red jersey. It was either McNair or Eddie George Eddie George. And I had both. <laughs> yeah. And that, I that or the, or the whole navy blue. Like it had no other colors and it was just navy blue. Oh yeah, the mono, the original mono. And yeah, I created right. the red motherfucker in Madden. <laughs> had to. Had to. It's a good concept for a jersey. Yeah. 
We got to see the red, though. We have to see the red. Man. Again, new stadium. The red and the black have to. I don't uh So I don't think I've ever. I have. I don't think we've spoke on the show about your prediction for the season. Now that we have D Hop officially, has that changed? Uh, hmm. how many bit. more wins is he worth? What did I say originally? I want to say I said about we we were uh, around nine wins. I want to say we. I think our ceiling is really eleven. It I'd say that's fair. First few games go. If we if we can. If we can come out of those first six games three and three, yeah. Oh, if we, we come win. out three and three, we might win twelve games. Yeah, exactly. There's only I think we can only lose to Joe Burrow so many times before we win. It a lot like of, it only me. A lot of motherfuckers have been losing to Joe Burrow. Her Pat just beat him for the first time. Exactly. You know? We don't even play teams like like our hardest games are the AFC North. Right. And we're like we don't we play very well. Last year we, but last year we didn't have we didn't have the depth. We didn't have the roster for it. Yeah, to be able to sustain that across the season. Normally right. we play them them big teams really well though, like you said. I mean, like Rabel has a really good record against a, a, as an underdog, and we're an underdog a lot this year. Yeah, like like even when we did last year, we weren't. We weren't just shit out of luck the entire game. When we played the Bills, we were. Right. It, just not having having to adjust without AJ Brown really showed in that game. Having to adjust without like just like Malcolm Butler, just bet, like good bets it showed. Yeah. You know what I got an idea of doing? Say say you take you go on one of these betting apps and you put like I'm just using this example, ten dollars on a Titans money line. Every tight either Titans money line or Titans to cover the spread for every single game separately. If you would end up in the green or the red across the season, oh, I'm pretty sure you'll and because you got to think <laughs> you just call this. You said money line. You got to think if we if we go and look at just the Chargers. Yeah, I think that that they're they probably have the Chargers minus five or some shit. Yeah, something stupid. I know they have us minus seven and a half against the Bengals. Yeah, we're a touchdown. The Bengals, I think, are coming to Nashville in their favor by over a touchdown. And I think we're double-digit dog. We're there's one game where we're close to double-digit dogs. I don't know which game that is, but I'm I saw on there. I think there's one game where we're almost a double-digit dog. If you just put on us just to purely cover, I would be, uh, you know, I think you really make some cheese doing that. More than likely, more than likely, man. I. Our, our schedule is really like it's. I don't want to say easy, man. That motherfucker easy. We got some winnable. Nah, we we got winnable. Like we can win. We can win. We can come out with 11, 12 wins. I, I wouldn't be surprised. No, that, also, no, man. Look, we got to play the sorry ass Colts, and they got those. Hey, them jerseys is terrible, boy. Man, they they look like the Panthers. <laughs> that shit look terrible. They look like Kentucky. That's who they look like. The Kentucky Panthers. Yeah, that shit look terrible, man. But you're right though. This schedule, man. This this schedule I ain't, ain't no game in the NFL easy. But that schedule is easy. I ain't gonna Look, lie. That schedule like, easy. Yeah, and like you said Monday, uh, why D Hop come to Nashville? Because he want to fucking win. He want to win. He saw that schedule and, too. <laughs> and now, and look, if you look at our schedule, you look at our ex, our receiving room. Now we yeah. have some room. 
we still have room for growth at certain positions. Right. But our season outcome is a little bit different. It's so crazy to me that people saw, you know, oh, D-Hop goes to the to the Chiefs. He'll be a number one receiver, and he'll be able to, you know, he'll he'll be able to eclipse twelve hundred yards just all right. because he's. Well, I get it, Patrick Mahomes, whatever. He goes to the Bills, same thing. Josh Allen, whatever. Yeah, oh, he comes to the Titans. He just want to lose. He about to go for seven hundred yards and just be ass, bro. That you know what's crazy about that is they would, in the same breath, they would say, "Oh, he would make." The Patriots, they got a, they have a good court. They have a, you know, decent quarterback. A, a, they have a, a stability at quarterback. They got good receivers. Uh, they got a great defense. If they get D Hop, but if they turn around and don't get D Hop, how the fuck does all that shit turn terrible? And Mac Jones is terrible. Has been in the league for ten years. Like, there's no bro. Mac Jones, the most overrated quarterback in the fucking league. I don't give a fuck what nobody say. I'm tired of hearing I, about I, Mac Jones, bro. It's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It pisses me off. What has he done? Even in college, what the fuck has Mac Jones done? Shit, I won't even bring up college. He played one year, bro. He played one year with some of the the best receivers in fucking nation. What has he done? He played, he played one year, and that year he played, he had a Heisman receiver. Bro, wasn't he invited to the Heisman thing too? I think he was. That's WP. That's WP. It's 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 college football. Like how you were talking about how running backs can get MVP. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that a, a receiver got Heisman. Yeah, they had to nominate the quarterback. Yeah, that still though, Mac Jones ain't do shit. And there's a reason why Belichick was trying to move on from him. He's not like Belichick sees his shit every day. Belichick ain't no dummy. That's why they were talking about them going back to get Jimmy G. Mac Jones is not that guy. I can't believe it's not even a comparison. And I'm not even a Tannehill guy. I swear I'm not. But there's not even a comparison with Mac Jones and Ryan Tannehill. But let the let the NFL networks and your ESPNs tell you the Patriots, if they got D Hop, they're gonna win that division. That's some crazy ass shit, man. About the Patriots? Yes, I seen it. Oh no. I don't even know the dude's name. I don't even want to know his name. I'm not even gonna say his name. Saying some stupid stuff like that. How the fuck the Patriots going to win a division? There had to be some ESPN shit. He was trying to save his job. He didn't want to get cut. Yeah. That's why That's why you don't need to be watching these, these ESPNs and shit. Watch TFTV. We're going to give you real real analysis and real facts. We're not going to, you know, Jalen going to come out here. He's going to tell you real shit. I'm going to be Will. I'm going to tell you real shit. These ESPN motherfuckers just want some clicks. Shameless plug. And they got me. We sitting there talking about it. Mission accomplished for them. You know what I'm saying? They know what they're doing, man. It's a dirty game they're playing, man. It's a dirty game. What do you think the Patriots going to do this year, Jalen? I think they're going to be last. I think they might win four or five games. I got. I know I know two Patriots fans are saying they 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 come in last. Yeah. Oh, they 100% coming in last in that division. That's that's set in stone. Yeah, they they can win seven games and come in last. But I honestly don't think Aaron is gonna is gonna be just that great. I wouldn't be surprised if he is, but I don't think I don't he'll know. be he'll be compared to the Aaron Rodgers of old, you know. And he's not gonna be that, but he'll be very very good for them. I think the Jets are gonna be nasty this year. I ain't gonna lie. That defense was if, crazy last if they, year. 
yeah, if they play how they did last year, they you know they they got a defensive minded coach, and they can they're not going to win games defensively. Aaron Rodgers is going to put points up on the board. He's not he he's not going to do what Zach Wilson did. Right. That's what. She, like we we said about the Titans, if, if the Titans can score 21, 24 points, they should be able to win football games. Now, when it comes down to it, even then, Joe Burrow doesn't score a lot of points against us. But no. when it comes down to it, when you're playing a, 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 a high-end quarterback, yeah, you got to put some points on it. Might, it might require 28. It might require 31. Yeah. But those teams don't have defenses like the Titans do. Even so. Even so, why is it that the Jets get all this, all this good pub and, you know, the, the media is saying, oh, they're going to be really good when they're built damn near like us. Granted, they got New a York. better top-end receiver, but they ain't got a better running back than we got. It's just New York. It's bullshit, man. Large market team. It was a lot of Cowboys. Cowboys probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest marketed NFL team. There's a reason why people are saying Cowboys for the Super Bowl every year. Market. Yeah, you're right. What Dak say? He said he promised he ain't throwing ten picks this year. Did you see that? I did see that. What's wrong with him, bro? He'll have ten thrown by by week fourteen. I say. I don't know what he was seeing. What he 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 came to the depleted Titans and made it a close game when we had a <laughs> when he had a quarterback that has not played a snap for us even in practice for two days and it made a game out of it because <laughs> Dak just bought a Kevin Byard or whoever else. Bro, what's wrong with him? You know, I think, you know, how you, like when you get done working out or something, you get a good workout in. I ain't had one of these in a minute, but I'm talking from way, way, way back. But, you know, you get a good workout in, you feel like you invincible, like you on top of the world. Maybe they caught him right after that. Hey, man, that man felt so good. He said, I'm about to call. I'm about to call into the media. Bro, he was like headed back from the gym or with his quarterback coach or something and, and had some good progress. Probably had a good week of practice. And drills and shit, and called into the. Did he call into the radio down there and say that crazy shit? I don't know who he called. I just know <laughs> folks not buying it. You gotta see it. He'll not. He'll have, like I said, week 14, put it in stone. He'll have 10, 10 picks thrown by then. If not, and that's me putting it late. He really could have 10 by week 12. I ain't gonna say 10 by 10 because that'd be. But. It's possible then too, because he, you know, Dak got a he got a three pick game in him. Yeah, <laughs> when he throw picks, them motherfuckers come in bunches, don't they? <laughs> it's like he just, it's, I don't know. It's like they when when the team got his number, they got his number. Hey, bro. You know, you know what else I'm worried about? What's that? If the coach wear them uniforms against us and Will Levis is playing? Oh. Oh, you think he's gonna be throwing? He, he gonna be back in Kentucky? He think he, he gonna think he back in Kentucky? He gonna be throwing picks at the motherfuckers left and right. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Hey man, hopefully we doing we doing well enough where Will Levis doesn't have to play. I don't think the the two are mutually exclusive. Maybe he comes in balls in training camp, man. Maybe we're doing well and Levis is doing even better. They kept Tannehill and he's making what thirty something mil. He's yeah, making he's a playing. lot of money, boy. I don't think Verbal cares about that shit though, man. About what you're getting paid. He's of all coaches, he's not the guy to give a fuck about that. True. Tannehill's still gonna start against the Saints. No, hundred percent. But does Tannehill start after Halloween? Depends what we're looking like. If we two and four, maybe not. That's what I'm saying. We we might need a change around that time. That's all I'm saying. And we've got two guys that may not be ready right now. 
hey, if, Mal- if Malik turns into what Malik could be, bro, I don't give a fuck who the quarterback is. I just want a dog back there that's going to win his games and that has some specialness about him that can make some crazy throws or ex- evade because you need that in playoff time. You know what I mean? You can't – you. You're not just yeah. beating teams from the pocket no more. You got to do some crazy shit. Even Mahomes got to do some crazy shit. You know what I mean? Mahomes, man, this we got to love about Mahomes. When we, I respect it so much. When we play him, he he's not beating us throwing the ball. He's no. beating us. He's beating us doing some shit he doesn't typically do. Yeah. Did you see the uh, quarterback doc? What he said about the Titans and Vrabel? Yeah, got to respect it, man. He he compared us one of the greats of all time. Yeah, that's what we got. That's what we working with. The thing about Mahomes, though, he did say that, uh, like in the very first episode, he said, "I want to be as like as likable as possible." So, man, he's the most political correct person <laughs> nah. in the NFL. Probably. Then why he let them? Why did why he not make them bleep out all them cuss words he was saying during the game? And because it's Netflix, <laughs> <laughs> that's they didn't not, bleep nothing. It ain't a kid, though. Nah, you're right. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm a. Uh, we're gonna start talking about some some Nashville SC and MLS, man. Make sure you uh you gonna call in Monday, man. I can. I yeah, can make sure you out. call in Monday if we got something to talk about. We'll holler at you. All right. All right. Appreciate you calling in, Jalen. Yes, sir. All righty. Yeah, that's my man, Jalen. Jalen, call in another TFTV TFTV member. Let's get it talking about the uh, the MLS All-Stars and Arsenal game. Man, Arsenal's molly whopped they ass. Gabriel Jesus with an amazing goal. Little chip over the keeper from outside the box. It was amazing. If you if you hadn't seen that goal, go look at it. Gabriel Jesus against MLS All-Stars was in like the fourth minute. And go look at the the camera from the referee perspective. They had, they had uh, the, the damn referee with a camera on him. He was right behind Jesus when he did it. It was an amazing shot. So they ended up beating MLS All-Stars 5-0. And man, Arsenal looked really good, man. For that's the only second, only the second game that they've played so far in the preseason. And they look, they already look like a well-oiled machine. Declan Rice came in for, for the last 30 minutes, looked composed, looked calm in the sixth row. Timber, Urian Timber came in for the last 30 minutes also and looked amazing. Look, looked better than Zinchenko on the right hand side in that inverted role. Looked really good. I'm excited to see what Arsenal do this year, man. I think they'll do really well. Like I said, I think they'll win the league. I think they'll win the Premier League and make a good run in the Champions League, maybe to the quarters and semis. But this brings me to the point of the MLS All-Stars and Cristiano Ronaldo's words conveniently the day after Messi got announced by Inter-Miami. Let's bring it up. So Ronaldo says, the Saudi championship is much better than USA. I opened the way to Saudi Saudi League, and now all the players are coming here. In one year, more and more top players will come to Saudi. In a year, the Saudi League will take over the Turkish League and the Dutch League. And then he went on to say, "Returning to Europe is not for him. It's not worth it. Europe has lost. A, Europe has lost a lot of quality. The only one that is one of the best is the Premier League, which I played and I scored 15, 17 goals my last year. <laughs> but end quote." But that brings me to my next question. Is the Saudi League better than the MLS right now? I think as a collective, there's two different things. So it's going to be two different questions. And it's like it's sort of a two-headed monster. 
Is the Saudi league as a whole better than the MLS? I think not. I think the MLS has a level playing field over across the whole league has more talent than the Saudi league. I want to say, but in that same token, if I propose the next question of for the all-star teams, if there was an MLS all-star team and a Saudi league all-star team, who's winning in that game? I think the Saudi league is doing something similar to what Arsenal just did to them. Maybe not five nil, but I think the Saudi league will beat the MLS all-stars. The Saudi all-stars will beat the MLS all-stars by at least three goals, at least. And y'all let me know in the chat and the comments what y'all think. Who do y'all think will win between the Saudi All-Stars and the MLS All-Stars? But the Saudi team, for example, just the midfield and attackers. You've got Neves, Conte in the midfield, uh, St. Maximin, who's his deal is getting finalized as we speak. It might be done by the time this gets recorded, this gets posted. And Mares, who just signed this past yesterday, actually finalized his deal. St. Maximin. And Mares on the left and right. And then you got Ronaldo and Benzema up top as strikers. And then defenders, you got Koulibaly, Mendy's, Mendy's playing, uh, Mendy's playing keeper. Tellez is coming from United to play left back. You know, that team is destroying this MLS All-Stars team. We saw what happened, what the MLS All-Stars did against Arsenal backups. You know, they they couldn't even they did, I don't even think they got too many shots on goal. Maybe one or two, if that. But I just do not see the MLS All-Stars beating the Saudi All-Stars. I don't see it, you know. And y'all let me know in the comments what y'all think. Is the MLS All-Stars, would they beat Saudi All-Stars? How much would they beat them by if they beat them? I don't think they would. Y'all let me know in the comments. All right. We're almost done. We'll wrap this bad boy up in a little bit. Last thing we're going to talk about is Heine Mukhtar. He played really well in the All-Star game, by the way. He was the only one of the him and I'd say... uh, Ricky Pooj is probably the only two players that, that held up against Arsenal in that first 30 minutes. The rest of the rest of them players was anonymous. You know, Berkey, he couldn't do nothing about them goals anyway, but still. Between them two, they were probably the only ones that looked competitive against the uh that Arsenal team. But news from Tom Bogert on Wednesday. This is right right before the All-Star game came out. Or the All-Star game came on. But Nashville SC rejected a bid of $7 million from Qatari, from a Qatari club. They didn't say who the Qatari club was. But $7 million from Qatar bid to Nashville SC for Heine Mukhtar, and it was rejected by Nashville, of course. For me, I don't want to see Mukhtar go, of course. He's one of the most important players in Nashville, not only to the team, but in the community. But, and I say but, it's the same conversation I had about running backs earlier. Sports is a business. It's a business. If Nashville SC is able to get shit, $20 million for Mukhtar, which is quite a bit, but that's it's a it's a fuck you price. It's a fuck off price. It's that's the price I would put on Heine Mukhtar if I was Nashville SC. $20 million. That's what you pay, you get them. And this is a Qatari club. This isn't even a Saudi club coming in. So a Saudi club could still come in and put $20 million down. But it would take at least $20 million for me to even think about selling Heine Mukhtar abroad. That $20 million can be used to reinvest in, in the youth facilities. It can be used to pay off debts or whatever we have and really 
create even more sustainability with the club and put them on a on a pedestal to where they can start developing their own talent. With that $20 million, you can have even some even better youth facilities, but you can buy up some of the best youth products from North and South America and put them all into your academy and reap those benefits in two or three years and sell some of those players for $20, $30 million or, you know, fucking 15, whatever. That type of money can really transcend a club to where it could be one of the, you know, the trademark franchises and be globally like an LA Galaxy would be. Of course, we don't have the market in Nashville, but we have the fan base to do it. And we would have the money with Heine Mukhtar, even more money than we already have to really be able to get that done. You can get another DP player in for a couple million to sort of steady the ship in the short term. But the long term with that that amount of money, being able to buy up all the, the best youth talent from North and South America, you know, you might have you might not be able to buy the best talent from Brazil or anything. But to get the best youth talent from the two continents, that could really, you know, transcend this club. And I think it would be it's it's gotta be something worth thinking about. I know I'd hate to lose Mukhtar, and I know all the other fans echo that. But it's a business at the end of the day, and we could really transcend this club with a sale, you know, of like $20 million, $25 million. That's the fuck you price that you set for somebody like him. He's You can't quantify his value to Nashville, but you can quantify those funds that you'd get from Mukhtar and what you could do in the future with those. And that's just something that has to be, has to be thought of. So y'all let me know in the comments, would you sell Haney? What price would you sell him for if you were to sell him? And, you know, what would you do with, Say the 2015, really no 15, 15 ain't even a question. 20, 25 million dollars that you would get for him. What would you do for him? Would you, what player would you buy to replace him in the short term? What would you do in the long term? Y'all let me know. But that's what I, that's, that's it for the show, man. We had a good call in, touched on a lot. And once again, appreciate the, appreciate the viewers that joined us live. We're going to be posting this, the podcast itself, audio version will be up. Today, the video will be out tomorrow. We got a special announcement coming from y'all. TFTV starting another podcast. That will be out on Tuesday. And the announcement will be out within the next couple of days, maybe the weekend. So y'all be on the lookout for that. Other than that, man, appreciate y'all joining. Make sure y'all join us on Monday, 7 a.m. bright and early for the Sports Section Morning Show, episode 11. Once again, thank y'all for joining. Catch y'all later on, man.